You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Hello there and thank you for downloading this Starting Up podcast from the 22nd of November. And on the programme today, we discussed Elon Musk's management techniques. He's basically shown the world how not to motivate your staff ever since he took over Twitter. So we asked, what is the right way? We got advice from Mona Salem, the regional culture coach at Great Place to Work, and also from Neil Petch from VirtuZone. Meanwhile, our startup in the spotlight this week was Huna Aquatics, who offer swimming lessons. They're run by a former Paralympian. And drumroll, please, our startup success story was one of the stars of the TV series Dubai Bling. We had Marwan Al-Awadi in the studio, better known, of course, as DJ Bliss. Now, he is the star of that series, but he's also a very successful entrepreneur. And he came in to talk to us about all his latest ventures. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Okay there, good morning and welcome to your weekly edition of Starting Up, your go-to show for business inspiration and advice. And as ever, I'm joined by Neil Petch, the chairman of VirtuZone, who will be helping me grill our guests. How are you? Listen, did you know what? Every entrepreneur needs a guilty pleasure. Where where are we going? And today we've got one. My guilty pleasure, how I unwind after a long, stressful day at the office, is reality programmes. Ah, yes, we are very, very excited uh, because our starting up success story this week is one of the stars of the TV series Dubai Bling. It is Marwan Al-Awadi, who's better known as DJ Bliss. You're a fan of the programme, aren't you? I am, and I'm a huge fan of DJ Bliss. And listen... Chris Fade, you know, who would have thought that the two voices of reason <laughs> on the program. are two DJs? Well, exactly. And I mean, what's great about DJ Bliss is he is an entrepreneur with a really strong personal brand. So we can't wait to get some advice from him to hear the secrets of his You success. just want some of his music, don't you? I've, I just want to be like his wife. I want to be in one of the songs. Strong woman. Yeah, strong she's, woman. she's awesome. She's awesome. Amazing series. He will be joining us just after 11.30. But also this week, uh, we are going to be... Uh, turning to our startup in the spotlight because this week we're joined by the team from Huna Aquatics. Now they offer swimming lessons uh, and they're run by, you know, amongst others, a former Paralympian. We're going to find out more about that in a few minutes because I'm joined in the studio by Kevin Paul, who is the director of Huna Aquatics and a two times gold and one times silver Paralympian. And also Omar Abu Sharif, who is also uh, one of the founders of the company. Now, welcome to you both. It's great to have you in the studio. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much for having us in this morning. Pleasure to have you both. I just pressed a lot of buttons to make sure your microphones went (laughs) up, as I'm sure you saw. Okay, so uh, what led you to start the company, Omar? Okay, what we did was uh, I had my children uh, swimming uh, at various uh, venues uh, within Dubai, and there was a real need to have a world-class academy at your doorsteps within the communities. Dubai is, after all, a community living space, and typically you have freelancers come in and sort of fill in as opposed to create a real transformation in the uh, community level where you would have uh, a world-class swimming academy at your doorstep, uh, and and that's what we thought uh, there was a real need for that. Interesting that you saw a gap there, in the market. It is a very competitive market. Have you seen success? Absolutely. Uh, There's a lot of swimming academies uh, within Dubai and they're all fantastic in their own way, but they're absolutely at um, 
typically at the schools. Uh, you don't have them at the community level. Uh, so that was one factor. The other two factors, I think, and then I'll move it on to Kevin, who, who can sort of tell you a little bit more about it. At Huna Aquatics, we have the love for the water at, at the core of what we do. And that really comes across when you're uh, uh, taking swimming lessons. Uh, we also have a very little compromise when it comes to the level and quality of our swimming coaches, most of them ex-nationals or Olympians, who also absolutely love the water. Question, because this is the most important question for me of the year. My daughter, Kira, she's six, so she still thinks she's a mermaid. Very important that she gets the right lessons. Okay. And so I was going to ask you, because it is a competitive thing, how do you go about letting, obviously, I guess, referral and word of mouth is important, but how do you get across? Because it's typical of Dubai that there are companies with great quality and some not. And, And as a parent, obviously, it's difficult to make that first choice, and particularly for swimming, which is so amazing, but also can be risky if you don't do it properly. Absolutely. I have two daughters and a son myself, and and finding the right school was just sort of paramount. Uh, But I'd like to pass it to Kevin, who's really his uh, ethos into how that love of the water gets transferred into the team and the swimmers. Yeah, and like you said, there's how do you break into a competitive market like that? With us, like Omar's touched on already, community was the whole sense of everything that we're doing. And when we have a parent bringing their child for a swimming lesson, say it's just once for 30 minutes a week, from my side, I wanted to make an experience for more than just 30 minutes. So they need to get there. The teacher needs to be smiling. They need to feel like there's something more than just a 30-minute lesson with Coach X. Because it can so, be quite intimidating for the kids, right? Exactly, the- and you want it to be an experience. So that's the biggest thing is we're trying to create communities within communities. You have your learn to swim, so your little kids. So you're trying to create a community with the moms, the dads, the kids. Then you've got the adults who want to swim. We're all busy people. We're all working. At the end of the day, you want to break away for an hour. We've created those communities, be it for learn to swim for an adult or someone who's a weekend warrior wanting to go take part in a triathlon. So we're just creating these pockets of communities so that people feel like they belong to something more than just 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour where they're just coming to do an activity. So is social very important uh, to you guys? Huge aspect. I mean, when it comes to learn to swim, especially, you're creating relationships between the kids and their teachers. There has to be that trust element. And we see that even more so with adults. If you're coming in and you've had a fear of swimming for the last 40 years of your life, you're going to have to first trust the person that's teaching you before you even put your foot into the water. So it comes down to relationships at the end of the day. And, and one place that's very close to our hearts, and we're working very closely today with Touch Dubai as one of the one of the people, is working also with kids of determination and special needs. We always say water does not discriminate. And instead of just saying, okay, we have lanes available for you to come and swim with us, we actually coach and swim and work very closely with people of special needs. Inclusivity is extremely important. And, and that's another thing that Huna Aquatics, as part of that community that we believe in, we work very closely uh, across people with uh, special uh, needs and uh, various disabilities. How long have you been established now, guys? We started uh, at just before co- eight weeks before COVID hit in 2020 Ooh. out of uh, my garage. Well, half the pools <laughs> got shut down. Wow. Yeah, unbelievable. With adversity. For months. They shut the pools for months. They did, and it's incredible. We sat in the garage and had that discussion, but there was, you know, we, we, we really had. Uh, absolute belief in what we were doing and uh, today a couple of years later we have more than 700 swimmers uh, more than 200 adults um, ample amount of uh, private trainer uh, training that uh, across uh, different uh, levels and abilities so we were undeterred 
What challenges did you face? Was it difficult to get set up? Was it difficult to find space? Was it di- were the legals difficult? Well, you know what? Look, Virtuzone have been uh, uh, very good uh, in terms of a partner with us because we really, that part of it, we didn't understand. So we needed a partner that knew the legalities, how to help us set up companies, etc. And I can't stress how important that is in setting up a business. And, and, and they were very core to that kind of, that, that that's department. that's key for your parents, right? Because they need to know that you have all the correct insurances and qualifications and so on. And Dubai, the authorities are pretty good at making sure. Uh, that's no, in place. Absolutely. It's key. I mean, we're, we're, we're a world-class academy and you have to have world-class sort of uh, um, corporate structure in place. And that's why we went to uh, Virgison for that. Um, and, and it's been very helpful. In terms of challenges, look, you always have challenges in business in terms of um, the com- competitive landscape. We, we were new starters, but we were so uh, well-received in the market. So you did have a lot of sort of teeth uh, 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 grinning at us, uh, wanting to sort of... Uh, uh, you know, I don't know, for lack of a better word, sort of unleash us. But, you know, we, we, it's been a fantastic ride. And I, Kevin, I don't know if you want to add to that. I mean, yeah, it's a, if you look at or why this has worked as well, as you look at my past, you look at Omar's past, we're very passionate about what we do. And a stumble here or there, if you've got a greater picture that you're working towards, it's not really going to be a stumble. It's just one step towards the goal that you're working towards. Listeners, if you could see these guys now, yeah. you'd want your kids to you go would. swimming because <laughs> they're, they're both cut beyond really belief. I don't, I don't think I've ever met, by the way, a gold Paralympian before. No, so I've no. got to say, Kevin, how, why was one of them silver? <laughs> oh, let's not get into that story. But uh, yeah, it's uh, that silver is what motivated me to go for one more Paralympic Games, which Good was then answer. Rio, and then left on my own terms, basically with the gold. Then, okay. so we've got about a minute left with you guys, uh, and we're focusing this week on how you motivate your staff. Now, obviously, if you want to expand your swimming lessons, then you need to hire people. Uh, Elon Musk has pretty much showed us how not to motivate and manage your staff over the last couple of weeks at Twitter. Is staff management, staff recruitment, something that you guys have found tricky? Yeah, I'll talk about motivation kevin maybe you can talk about recruitment uh at tona aquatics we want people to have ownership in the business so even as a coach you come in you want to believe in the ethos of what we're doing you want to believe in in the project and if uh, our coaches show that and and want to progress and 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 sort of be part of that they can go and they can have a career with us and be part owners into that company i think don't think a company in the middle east or the world does that as a swimming uh, coaching uh, activity but recruitment, maybe, Kevin, you can uh, shed on lights on that. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of people who are swimming instructors or have the accreditation or the qualifications to do that. And I think one thing that sets us apart is if you do come to any of our venues, it's the same passion, mm. the same love for water that's at the core of every single one of our coaches. Whether we're working with someone who just wants to learn to swim or we see that little sparkle in our eye that they want to become an Olympian or a Paralympian one day – we, we share that passion with them at all times. George, I want to pass a compliment. There. Okay. Never seen Omar is giving so much credit to Kevin. That's yeah. teamwork, right? It is teamwork. <laughs> it's really strengths. lovely to see, actually. And it's an absolute pleasure to have you both on the radio. Thank you so much Thank for your you. time. Uh, we can chat for ages. Uh, we've had uh, Omar Abu Sharif, who's the founder of Huna Aquatics, and Kevin Poole, who is the director of Huna Aquatics. A pleasure speaking to both of you. You are our startup in the spotlight this week. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Virtuzone, business set up with no regrets. Okay, right. It is time now for us to get some advice because over the last few weeks, Elon Musk has been hitting the headlines 
for all the wrong reasons. His behaviour as the new owner of Twitter has shown the world how not to manage and motivate staff. So we're asking, what is the right way? Here's just a little bit of Elon Musk giving us a sense of his management style. I think there is a tremendous amount of potential um, that it will be very difficult to achieve, but I think possible. Um, and I think ultimately it could be one of the most valuable companies in the world. So he's still feeling positive about Twitter, but certainly the staff at the company are not feeling very enthusiastic about him. And now Neil uh, Petch, the chairman of VirtuZone, he's uh, always joins me in the studio to help me grill the guests. But that doesn't make him immune to my questioning. So Neil, how do you motivate yourself? How well, firstly, you- I'm going to say my son is completely on your side. He thinks that Elon is just ripping it up and destroying something great. I'm going to give you a slightly different perspective, Ooh, just okay. so that we can have two different balance, angles. Balance. You have to rip muscle in order to make it come back stronger. Yes. And the worst thing, in my opinion, in management is pretty much doing nothing and just CYA, can't say those words, but just playing it safe, in other words. You've got to make difficult decisions. And you know what? If you don't make mistakes, then you're not pushing hard enough. Has he managed it right? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> but, but trying to change things up and recognize that you had, in this case, an, a huge dinosaur of a company in that it's huge and strong and massive and has lots of potential. But there's an asteroid coming to the Earth. Something's going to happen we've got to, we, and we've got to disrupt. Yeah. So that's what's happening at the moment. Yeah, it does sound... If you haven't been following the Elon Musk story, essentially he has managed to annoy pretty much every single member of staff at Twitter. He's told them they need to go back to the startup attitude. He's expecting them to work many longer hours than normal. Uh, he's taken away their treats. They used to have a day off a month, you know, to chill. He's taken that away and you're not allowed to work from home, neither. Uh, so basically, he's ruffled a lot of feathers. Uh, so we're going to find out uh, the advice of another professional to find out, you know, exactly how you ought to be managing a new company or managing your own company uh, in order to motivate your staff. I'm joined now by Mona Salem. She is the regional culture coach at Great Place to Work. Joining us on Teams. Good morning, Mona. How are you? I'm good. How are you? How's everyone doing? We're very good, Amazing. thank you. And it's lovely to have you on the radio. Okay, so tell me, why is it important as a boss to motivate your staff? Shouldn't they just be pleased to be there? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like saying that you're like a member of a family and I'm just forced to be with my mom and dad, so to speak. And the thing is, this has been a successful company. It has been up and running. And that's why the eyes were on it. And all of a sudden, um, he wants to change everything. There has been a success story. And unfortunately, you need to motivate your, your staff to actually be the most productive people possible. Unfortunately, that hasn't been the case. It's just like cutthroats uh, take away all the perks, all the benefits, all the values that they felt were assets to them. And that's been a long uh, time of research that has been done to actually reach to the level that Twitter has. So uh, unfortunately, you need to study and you need to understand the culture really well in order to actually understand how to make this change and how to administer a new leadership uh, position, right? So, Georgia, do you think that a salary is a motivational thing? No. No, that's basics. Exactly. So if you start to assume (laughs) things... Right. The, the challenge is, as, as a company owner, and sorry to step in, Mona, but is you do stuff that you think is going to really motivate your stuff and they just start to take it for granted. So that's wrong. 
on on your side, you've got to make sure that it, it's actually rewarding people who go above and beyond. So how do you get that balance? So if they're spending $14 million on a cafeteria that is only used They got free lunches time, as well. Free lunches right, they everyone, got. Everyone. Everyone. Including the ones that were, you know, B-I-T-C-H-ing the whole time about uh, right. the company. So you've got to get the balance. And, I mean, Mona, as far as, you know, you obviously do a survey every year for The Great Place to Work. What techniques have you seen working in the companies that you rate highly in your survey? Well, definitely we have uh, the way that management look at the people is critical. So you have to have, as leadership, you have to have empathy and active listening. You need to understand that what's required from the from the from the teams. What are they after? So the free lunches that you're talking about, they actually help people be productive in the environment. They don't feel they need to go anywhere. They feel fulfilled in where they are. And when you're looked after as an employee, when you're valued as an employee, when your input matters, when your voice is heard. All of those things actually resonate uh, drastically in terms of how productive and how motivated people are. You know what really motivated me this week is when one of my staff members bought lunch for everyone. He's Egyptian and he brought in some Egyptian food. That was amazing. And that shocked people. And and I guess it showed that he was motivated himself. Community building, ultimately. So from the boss, but also from your contemporaries. I mean, is this just is this not something that just happens from the top down, Mona? Uh, no, not necessarily, because uh, number one, employees need to feel like there's a camaraderie. They need to feel respected. They need to feel the sense of credibility in the organization. We have, when we do our surveys, we have five pillars of focus areas, and these are among them, to make sure that we understand that the actual um, collaboration that takes place and the relationships and the team dynamics that t- take place are all accounted for. So they don't, they happen sporadically, but they actually, there's a way to measure it and understand how you're actually building success. Okay, so as a boss, what should you be offering? Neil, I'm going to ask you, do you, what, what, what treats do you offer your staff as motivational tools, you know, as the extras? Well, firstly, we have an, an, an internal program where, where peer-to-peer recognition so it's, you know, and, and again, you've got to, I think, keep on changing things up. So what, what worked six months ago might not work now, but get people recognizing each other. Get always, if you understand where your company is going and you really understand both the ethos and the objectives, you're more able to support it. So many times people don't know what their boss is trying to do with the company. So make sure you're communicating that and allow people to see that they can influence other parts of the company. You're a journalist, I'm a sales guy, Georgie. You know, there's, there was always a battle between the two, but yet we need each other. Mona, would you agree with that? Is it important to mix it up? If you know, if you're a boss listening to this and you're thinking, well, everything feels a bit lackluster at the moment among my staff, you know, what could you introduce? What would you recommend they introduce? Definitely, they need to identify what the uh, value system is, what their sense of purpose is. How does an employee feel that he's contributing? Does his sense of purpose match the sense of purpose of the organization? That's the one thing I use as pillars that people need to follow through across the company. And they have to have that sense of one team. It's not per department. It's not a salesperson independent from anyone else. We all work together to actually deliver the results of the organization. 
It's interesting to hear there how it really does need to be quite an individualistic sort of attitude. You know, you need to look at each of your staff members as an individual and figure out what motivates them. Mona, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the line. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Mona Salim there, the regional culture coach at Great Place to Work. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai Eye 103.8. With VirtuZone, business set up with no regrets. Right, welcome back to Starting Up. Welcome to Neil Petch, the chairman of VirtuZone, who is co-hosting me with me this week, as usual. Uh, and there is huge excitement here in the studio because our Starting Up success story this week is something of a star. Now, DJ Bliss has long been a big name in the UAE club scene, but Marwan Alawadi is now known to a much bigger audience thanks to the Netflix TV series Dubai Bling, which we've been all watching, haven't we, Neil? Yeah, I haven't. Listen, I got a message to the haters. I was driving down Shakespeare <laughs> Road a few years ago. There was a billboard, and it was like, Chris Jenner is setting up a university for business people. person with me was like, what the hell would Chris Jenner know about business? Well, the Kardashians must be about the most successful business in the world. So, guys, we've all got to do our thing. We've all got to yeah. promote ourselves. <laughs> and we have a living, breathing example we with us today. We do indeed. Drum roll, please. Uh, Moan has joined us in the studio today to talk about his entrepreneurial journey. I don't know what to call you. Do you prefer Moan or DJ Bliss? Whatever you like. So I, I know DJ Bliss is a little weird. So my friends who still want to use it, they call me Bliss. Or like my close friends uh, call me B. Uh, but Marwan's fine as well. Like uh, totally okay with all of them. Amazing. I'm going to go with Bliss because okay. I'm, I'm intrigued. So, okay, so we all know you as the star from Dubai Bling. Neil's watched the whole series. I've watched most of it, like the rest of the world, as far as we can tell. You know, it was the top-running series on Netflix for, for at least a couple of weeks. And, and it's really done incredibly well. So you've brought us, you know, you, you'll come to the public eye en masse. But you've been a star for many years here in the UAE, haven't you? And you're also an entrepreneur. Yeah, it's been a it's been a long journey. So my career started uh, really um, well. My love for music started as a DJ. I wouldn't get invited to parties in school, so I thought, how can I get into these parties? And I thought, if I DJ, then I can. Uh, I, I they have to invite me. So I was running my school radio station. Then I started DJing a little bit. And uh, while I was in college, I was doing some gigs. And then it was really something I was good at. I was making more money f- uh, from doing that just a few nights a week than having a regular job. And uh, that's where it really started. So DJing, my first love, that's where it began. And from DJing, I went into radio. From radio, I went into TV. And then from TV, I was hosting events and then uh, doing uh, sort of some of my businesses. And that's really how I started my uh, business, Bliss Inc. Entertainment. So you see, out of adversity arises entrepreneurship. You wanted to get into a party and you came up with a solution. That's brilliant. It was a brilliant solution. That's a great quote, by the way. You have to write it down for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's yours. It's my gift to you, B. Well, this, I mean, well, this is it. Going forward, you know, you are going to become something of an entrepreneurial, I mean, icon in some ways, because you have pivoted this platform that you had as a, as a DJ mm-hmm. into several other businesses, haven't you? So what are the other businesses that you run at the moment? So initially, I set up Bliss Inc. Entertainment to manage my, my DJ bookings because I was getting a lot of bookings that I couldn't do them all. And I thought, you know, let's get a few other DJs and uh, start this agency. So it was all kind of under one umbrella. But as I was expanding, so I was doing events and then I was doing DJ bookings for other DJs. So I started creating these different 
uh, brands. So Out of Blissing Entertainment, uh, 411 Nights was a nightlife uh, events uh, company that we created. Select Talent Agency was a DJ booking agency. And then, so the first time I got out of entertainment was sort of the barbershop. And it's a strange story, but I used to go to the same barbershop. Uh, I visit him twice a week and he was leaving the country because his shop was closing. And I said, well, then who's going to, you know, do this? So he said, Thanks. well... I said, if I open a shop, will you stay? And he said, yes. So that's literally how it happened. And then I started the, <laughs> that business. I was on TV at the time and I needed to, uh, you, you know. You needed to look like shop. Yeah, you know, the beard is, uh, you know, uh, Neil, Neil's fine. He doesn't have a beard. It's not that difficult. He I've probably, always wanted a beard. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, we can do it for you even oh, if you don't have one, by the way. <laughs> I know how important the beard is. If you've got one, it needs to be tight. It needs to be trimmed. It needs to be perfect. Yeah, you know, for, for locals, like there's, I, I would say two very important things. So a night, w- nice white crisp candora yeah. and, you know, your beard. Because the hair, no one really sees. Let's, we always let's have stir it up. Let's get controversial. Chris Fade's got a sharper beard than you, Bliss. <laughs> I think he comes to my barbershop. <laughs> <laughs> great answer. That is a great yeah, answer. Yeah, I've seen a post that he, he, he actually visited our barbershop. So. so now listen, brand is everything for you. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm conflicted. You're, you know, I associate DJs with rebellion, youth, and yet, you're the voice of reason on the show. I know, surprisingly, right? You, so- e- you even act as a diplomat on behalf of your strong woman wife. Shout out to her. So, What's so, all that about? So Neil's got past episode five, obviously, from... Uh, has, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in Mexico. <laughs> I watched the it. whole thing. He's just, Couldn't he's sleep. Just, he, we just had a massive spoiler, though. I don't know. I don't know about this dispute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's in the trailer, so it's not that big of a okay. spoiler. Okay. But yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, it's the name, Bliss. You know, so I'm trying to live up to my name and keep Love everything and to the extreme form of happiness. That's one. Yeah. And then the other thing is, you know... As my career went forward, especially for my parents, for my culture, for my community, it was important for me to keep uh, uh, not them happy, but, you know, kind of respect uh, their views. For my parents, I think if I DJed my whole life and went to clubs at night, woke up super late and didn't do anything with my life, I don't think they would have really accepted it. And that is the number one question. How do your parents feel about you DJing? So I think the fact that they saw I went from uh, DJing into radio, into TV, and then the businesses, and I had a company, I had employees, and they saw that side of it is what helped. And also, it helped me because I didn't have to do a nine-to-five job in order to keep my DJ life going, or if I wanted to just become an artist tomorrow, I can do that now. And I think the hardest part is probably for artists more than DJs because DJs you can still go out and make a good amount of money but as an, a musician as an artist uh, to live off of that it's a little bit difficult so yeah you know creating those brands was was pretty important I think I have an observation Georgia mm-hmm. you know we were talking earlier with the swimming guys oh yeah and you know it, it, it is about standing out it is about being prepared to make decisions sometimes making mistakes Elon's made some but you know what what I would say to to you guys is you stand out, and some people are going to hate that. We, you know, Virtue Zone, we've got, I'm sorry, we, we also, with the opposition, we've got a couple of housewives uh, who have companies with yeah. us. So, Bliss, I'm going to get you to set a, up with I us. I don't think there's a competition okay. between but, the two. I think the two the, can the live concurrently. The point is, it's interesting viewing. It gets people talking. Georgia was saying she watched the first episode by herself. Yeah. It was not I didn't a great get it experience. on my own. When but then as a group... 
Yeah. 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 I think you need to get past uh, episode two to really get yeah. in there. And that's like, I mean, I watched Game of Thrones uh, when Me it first too. came out. Had to watch the first episode three times. Exactly the yeah. same. It takes a bit of time yeah. to warm up. I'm going to drag, we're desperate to talk about the program, but I'm going to drag you back to your businesses okay. momentarily. All, all, all Neil wants to talk about is the program. <laughs> it was a business program. Yeah. Um, so obviously, I'm really intrigued at how you basically started these companies as a mm-hmm. side hustle but also to gain the respect of your parents in, in some ways from what you just explained. You know, you're very good at being very open about how, you know, the psychology behind these things. So you started your Beats and Cuts barbershop. Yeah. And then what led you to go into F&B, though? Because you've also got the Karak Inc. Cafe. Yeah. So for everyone who doesn't know what Karak is, Karak is a, a drink that's very popular over here. It's not one of the ones you get at night. It's a daytime drink. Um, it's tea with milk and spices. So we Builders love... tea, Georgia. It's yeah. de- no, I love it. It's delicious. And I'm going to yeah. send you some, by the way. I, I didn't bring something, but next time I'm going to send you some. So everyone loves this drink, and I love it as well. Um, and I used to have a shop right uh, in front of my office on the beach road, and we used to go there all the time. And I said, man, I used to tell my friend I need a Karak when we were recording music. So I created a song called I Need a Karak, <laughs> just as a joke. Four or five years later, listen to this, and this is like uh, my, my, my life story is usually like I plant the seed and then the tree you'll see later. And a lot of people don't uh, understand that concept. Recorded this song, four years later, a friend of mine says, hey, uh, there's a brand, I don't want to mention a brand, not to uh, spoil, but uh, there's a brand who wants to film a music video. They want to shoot the video. They want to pay you for it and they want to promote it and make this the biggest thing. I said, sure. Done. So from that song, I said the next obvious thing would be is to create, like the next thing would be is a song's got over a million hits is to create a cafe because people would come, you know, to the shop. If if the song became a hit, then why not have a cafe? So that's how it started, really. So the song was I Need a Karak, and then I'm like, let's open a... Can you hear Bonnie Tyler in there? I need a Karak. You <laughs> 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 see why I'm not a singer, right? <laughs> So that's the F&B is difficult though I'm yeah. not going to lie it's probably it's probably been out of all the business that I've done because there's like little side hustles that I've you know uh, tried and failed and that, I, I totally fine with it the lessons the most important thing but F&B has been the hardest but luckily with what's been going on right now I've really seen like a change yeah. You're listening to Starting Up on the Agenda on Dubai I 103.8 with Virtue Zone business setup with no regrets. Okay, welcome back to uh, Starting Up. Uh, it is live on the agenda. Neil Petch from Virtue Zone has joined me in the studio, staying with me to uh, grill our guest. We've got rather an important guest in the studio today. We're both rather excited about it. DJ Bliss is with us. Do I say DJ Bliss in the house or That's do I just say uh, that? Is actually you've always wanted perfect. to say that. That is actually perfect. I think it makes me sound 52. Well, I think you should give it like a, it, the house should, should be, be like, like, in the house. In the house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I said, I, I'm big. Anyway, so what we're very excited about, uh, uh, Bliss, to having you in, is because you're not just famous from the Netflix series, Dubai Bling. You're also a famous entrepreneur and you've got at least four or five businesses in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. What's it like when you suddenly become world famous? What, what is the impact on these businesses? Do they get a real, you know, push? Yeah. I mean, um, it's actually one of the things I was speaking to, to them about, which I wish I spoke about more on the show as well. But, you know, there was a time constraint, but I didn't really get a chance to speak about my business as much. However, especially with my Karak Inc. business, I, I launched it literally on January 1st, 2020. Uh, at our official launch, they said everything's shutting down. So it was really difficult time. Yeah. But Thank God, luckily, like, 
last couple of weeks, I'm seeing like a real spike in uh, sales. So I'm guessing it's coming from there because it can't be from anywhere else. I mean, I know Dubai is back and all that. So I'm seeing definitely that uh, my barbershop beats and cuts uh, has been doing well, and I'm but I'm still also seeing an increase in uh, that. And then my events, obviously, uh, you know, people want to book me a lot more, so the events is doing well. So. To answer the question, overall, I'm definitely seeing uh, the effect of it on my businesses. But with power comes responsibility, right? When your brand starts to escalate, then, you know, standards. And, and you've got to make sure that your bandwidth is, is there. So it's easy to just throw yourself out and accept every opportunity. But then you dilute yourself. So that's an entrepreneurial challenge. I, I agree. I mean, even before the show came out, for some reason, anyone who had a bad haircut or a problem with their food thought they, they need to DM or tweet me and tell me that, you know, because that people know, right, uh, that you're behind the brand and you own it. So they feel like uh, you're responsible. So anything that went wrong, um, yeah, like Neil said, responsibility is uh, is a pretty key Starting key up used to have a thing where we were trying and, and um, interview as many husband and wife teams as possible. Do you work together at all? We do. We just did an interview this morning. We haven't done a lot of stuff together. So I don't think in business it's a great idea to work with friends or family uh, you know, through exper- experiences. But funny enough, working together on a show brought us much closer together. And I can – you know, she always says let's do something together. I'm like now we did something together and it uh, it worked. And, you know, when we do the interviews and all that, it's, it's pretty fun. Uh, I think it really helped us be able to do – Interviews and uh, yeah. so more Georgia, things. remember we're going to set up a business together. Yeah, what's it going to be? Oh, I want to do something called uh, broadcast kids. I want to teach children how to be uh, not you know not like the YouTube stars, but journalists. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I don't want, like I don't want them to be unboxing presents. You know, like at like the YouTube or, or watching video <laughs> games. I want to actually teach them how. Georgia's to, anti anti. What do they call these new kids? The millennials, like uh, uh, oh, the YouTubers. I just the influencers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I want to be one. So anyway, uh, so, okay. So tell me, what's next for you from a business perspective? Uh, you know, because you know, with this platform, you mm. have this opportunity to potentially set up new businesses that could, you know, spiral you into the big time. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a person who's always taking notes in my phone and uh, ideas are always coming to me. Um, obviously, first and foremost, uh, my music and touring, which I always wanted to do. I always wanted to be the first Emirati DJ or artist that uh, got exported out of here. We import so much uh, talent over here. So that's what I want to do first. But the business is very important as well. But like Neil said, you know, there's a lot of responsibility. So I don't want to just put my name on just anything. I really want to think it through and make sure it uh, it does well and it uh, it's the right thing for me. Just because I can do it, I don't want to do it. I want to do it. Don't apologize for who you are. You are, you know, you've got your strengths, right? On the show, you'll see someone who is being accused of being an influencer. What's wrong with being an influencer? If you're a good one, good luck to you. Yeah, Yeah, there's so much jealousy. Have you experienced jealousy? There's loads. I mean, uh, my whole life uh, in the industry that I'm in, um, you know, I think people like you when, especially in the same industry, uh, when you're in the same level. As soon as you see people, you know, oh, he's a step uh, ahead of me, they feel like they need to attack. And that's never really been my theory. I always, if I saw people doing better than me or uh, stronger than me, and that just made me want to be stronger rather than want to be jealous of Perfect. It. 
Very good attitude indeed. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. DJ Thank Bliss you. has joined us in the studio today. Obviously the star of the Netflix TV series Dubai Bling, but also the like the owner and the entrepreneur behind things like Beats and Cuts Barbershop and Karak Inc. Cafe. It's been a pleasure, sir. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much indeed. That brings us to an end of starting up this week. Uh, And if you missed any of the episode, make sure you download it. Dubaii1038.com.